Welcome to the Mostly Pod Out of Night, Mostly. I am Graveyard, joined by my co-host, Salem. Hello. This is episode 38 of our weekly All Things Horror podcast. They say if you know someone's full name, you can control them, whether it be demon, fae, or anything else. What happens when that does not even help? Let's dive into the world of corpses and entities that won't stay dead. So, this week we are diving into ladies' full names. The taking of Deborah Logan, the autopsy of Jane Doe, and the possession of Hannah Grace. Um, somewhat related movies in a way, kind of all dealing with possession in a, for the most part, right? Um, yeah, and they all have heavy <laughs> medical undertones. Like there's significant hospital footage or... Well, yeah, significant hospital footage in each one of these, <laughs> if you consider morgues to be hospital places, right? Yeah, yeah, corners, morgues, and Alzheimer's, essentially. Yeah, well, I guess that, um, the autopsy of Jane Doe doesn't take place in a hospital, but it does take place in a morgue, so. Yes. Yep. Close um, enough, so, close enough. Yeah, so, you know, we'll be doing our normal recap, first thoughts. Um, I haven't seen any of these until this week. I don't know about you. Uh, I've seen the autopsy of Jane Doe I had seen previously. I saw okay. it around when it first came out. Okay, I heard a lot about it, but we'll get into it. Um, and this week, we're doing a number of coroner's bells. Uh, just because I thought that was a fun little joke in one of these movies. Right? That they have for whom the bell tolls and the idea of someone potentially still being alive and being old school and tying bells to the feet. Of the deceased. Yeah, well, I mean, that was back, back. <laughs> well, that was from back in the old days when medic, you know, the medical profession couldn't quite tell if you were dead or not. They're like, right. well, he's, they're not moving, so I guess they're dead. That was it. That was their, you know, professional opinion. And sometimes a mirror to the mouth to see if yeah, they're breathing. A mirror to the mouth to see if it fogs up. Yeah, and that's why they had the whole craze of. Of making a uh, you know a air hole and a bell ringing thing for your mm-hmm. coffin. So you, I mean, I think we make more of a big deal about it now than they did then. But it, it was still a genuine fear back then. Well, I mean, we discussed this what episode two of this podcast, the premature burial and the works of Edgar Allan Poe, where a lot of his stuff is being based off of being buried alive. So, so I mean, he was writing about it at least back then. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you look at, you know, what's the, the fearful stuff about today, right? What are people scared about today, which is different than what they were scared of back then, because right now it's like, you know, being buried alive is a real fear, but it is a hell of a lot less prevalent now than it was <laughs> back in Edgar Allan's post time. Like it would happen. I'm not going to say often, but it would happen enough to where people would genuinely be scared of it. Well, I mean, if you weren't if you weren't dead when they cut you open and, you know, you bombed you, you're dead then. Um. So the taking of Deborah Logan, I feel, has two different meanings of it because, you know, Deborah Logan is an older woman. Um, Holly Hunt's the daughter. Um, and she, the mom's suffering from Alzheimer's. And this is a documentary style movie where uh, Mia, who's interviewing her, is doing this for a dissertation on Alzheimer's and trying to see, you know, but her her like master's thesis is how it affects the caretakers of people with dementia and Alzheimer's, right? Yeah, uh, something like something like that. I mean, yeah, 
yeah, there's a whole bunch of reasons why she says it, but yeah, essentially it's just a documentary documenting the downfall of a person with Alzheimer's and like the effects it has on everybody around. Right. Um, so like I said, it, it's in the same vein of, I'd say paranormal activity started this idea again of the found footage really took it off. You know, we had a gap from, you know, Blair Witch, we had a couple of them, and then Paranormal Activity showed that you can do it again right? with the uh, newer technology, with the stationary cameras, and the mockumentaries of horror movies that deal with it. Um, so, you know, there's essentially what's going on is, you know, Dever Logan is the elderly mother, and she has Alzheimer's, and, you know, at first, she's like, I don't want to do this, I don't want to be made fun of, and I don't blame her. You know, Alzheimer's, is, as we discussed on our April 1st episode, losing over your mind is a scary thing. And that's, you know, my biggest fear is losing my mind to that state. I don't want to get to that state. It's terrifying. You better start smoking, then. <laughs> there you go. Well, I um, smokers have statistically less chance of having Alzheimer's. Well, then. Uh... So, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, we, you notice that stuff is kind of weird. You know, they're like, we don't want to do this. And they just go, you know, the whole, the office stage where, you know, she's inside the house talking to her mom and somehow they're able to hear them still pretty well. Saying, Hey, we need to do this. We need the money. We need the help because it's expensive. She needs care. Um, so yeah, we're introduced to the sound guy, um, I thought it's funny because they're staying the night or they're staying in her house for this is what 47 days over at least this is over. I think total. I think it's like 60. I think, I think the, the finale happens at like 60. Yeah. So, you know, we get the days just like we do in paranormal activity of, you know, what day it is and stuff like that. Um, I thought it was funny that the mom let them stay there and there's a boy's room and a girl's room for the crew. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. She's. Yeah. I mean, she's old school, man. She's That's, very. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So we're introduced to them. We're introduced to Harris, kind of her neighbor slash friend that's been kind of there for her since the dad died. I don't know how long ago that was. Well, the dad died when the daughter was six. Yeah. So, considering the daughter is like. Well, we'll say 46. She's in her 40s, so we'll just say 46. So it's been 40 years. Right. Um. So, you know, we kind of introduced to Harris. They're kind of digging and bearing stuff, you know, all hush tones in the forest. And so, yeah, so, you know, they're just interviewing them, talking about what it's like. Um, we get Deborah's kind of backstory that she used to be an operator that she'd patch people through. And, you know, she was she was a way to disseminate information across people, you know, saying that, you know, how much things have changed. We've discussed all this at Nauseam, I think, on this podcast of the old switchboards and you know, your stories that you have seen what switchboard rooms actually look like. Um, and I would say that we are do we get introduced to the backstory of the the doctor, the psychiatrist as well? That's been dead no, for that, about no. forty years. No, that's not yet. That's the, that's after the first 
naked episode. Okay. With the the switchboard okay. thing. Okay. Um, but before that part, you know, they are you know they have cameras set everywhere, and they see, you know, they're talking about like how you know Deborah's mom almost burnt down the house, um, and uh, Sarah is the dollar saying, you know, you've done that before too. We've had to put stuff out. You left the stove on, and you know they kind of notice some things not making sense. Like she's standing in front of the stove and. All of a sudden, she's on top of the stuff with zero time skips in the tape. So, you know, they have stuff recorded, and then just the next day, they kind of go through and editing and, you know, all that jazz. So it's not, you know, 60 days worth of stuff all at once. And, like, there's no time skip. She's just kind of on the ground, then she's kind of standing up. Um, they kind of go, hey, do you remember this? She's like, no, I don't remember doing that. Um, and just more kind of weird stuff starts happening uh what she also starts to speak she kind of gets naked and starts speaking french a little bit right um yeah yeah i mean well that basically it's yeah there's there's little stuff that happens to where they're like basically documenting her downfall into yeah alzheimer's or it's showing her getting confused showing her getting upset angry when they like confront her with stuff um and it essentially all kind of yeah, culminates in a um, an episode where th- they basically catch her. She like sleepwalks outside and digs a bunch of holes in the ground. Yeah. Um. And then they bring her back in, and then when they bring her back in, she ends up like hurting herself by like tearing a chunk of her skin off. She um, does that a lot. In this. Yeah, but the, yeah, the first <laughs> the first time she does it is like off of her neck, and that's when they panic and they bring her to the hospital. Yeah. Uh, the hospital basically, the doctor says, like, yeah, she's progressing, like, super fast. Like, she's already in the mid-range, which they're, you're supposed to, like, it's supposed to be a couple of years. Years. Um, well, yeah, she's and, basically, and her- like, accelerated within months to be in the mid-stages, which is why she's getting worse. Yeah, because Sarah's, the, the show Sarah talking to the doctor, she's like, I thought this was going to take years. And they go, this is, yeah, you're right, they're accelerating at an right. abnormal rate. Something's causing this. And we don't right. know what it is at this point in time. Right. Yeah. And, um, then, and then that's when, um, like, right after they come back at home, they wake up in the middle of the night to, like, that bizarre phone ringing alarm noise. Yeah. And so she still has. they figure out that's from the old switchboard. Yeah. She still, because she worked the switchboard from her house. Um, and it was just one line, uh, what, 337, whatever it was. And that's how we get introduced to the physician that. 40 years ago was killed and ate four young girls. And he's doing this in a way to summon a demon or just to get uh, eternal life. Essentially he's doing some sort of ritual. Right. Um, well, to do yeah. that. Yeah. Cause yeah, when, the, when the alarm goes off and they go and they eventually find her working the switchboard, and she's naked, and then that's when she's screaming in all the different languages. Um, and then they find yeah. out that the number that she was trying, that she was answering and calling during that time period was the number 337. And then they looked up in her old records for that 337. They couldn't find who it was. And the right. one guy used the MacGyver technique of, like, using, um, you know, like, charcoal and another piece of paper to, like, see oh, what yeah. the impressions were. And then that's yeah, when they yeah, find yeah. out, oh, 337 is this guy and she had torn the pages out to like hide the fact that she had, that this guy was one of her 
customers and that she used to take messages and stuff for that guy. Um, and yeah. that's that's when they go in further and they find out, yeah, he killed the four people, essentially like sacrificed them in like this old kind of native way in the hills. Right. That was supposed to give him um, in, immortality, I immortality. Thought. But he had to do it with five women to get the immortality. And he only did it with four. And that's when they decode the languages that she was saying because um, they recorded the whole thing. They they translated the language she was saying. It was like French and Latin and German, whatever it was. Um, but the, the the voice was basically saying to her, be my fifth, like right. join the snake and stuff like that. So it, it appears that it's this ghost of this guy trying to get her to like be the fifth victim or something, I guess. I don't, at this right. point, we I, don't know. But Right. I, I really believe at one point in time, because they talk about how like, he disappeared 40 years ago, mm-hmm. which is about the same time the husband died, and that she had trauma, and that maybe, you know, um, she was going to be the fifth at one point. That's what I gathered. That is a potential. At that time, yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and so, you know, they're just, you know, and, you know, after she gets hurt and she starts, she goes crazy and, like, brings out a knife and brandishes a knife against the crew. And, you know, one guy goes, screw this. I'm out of here. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And he doesn't you don't need me. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you know what? Good for him. If someone, if you're on a documentary crew and you're seeing some strange shit and all of a sudden she starts brandishing a knife and attacking you and trying to stab you, leave. Where's your sense of adventure? Come on. I mean, yeah. Um, so yeah, just it starts stuff starts diving delving dark pretty quickly that you know there's snakes. She's you know, she what she gets snakes in the yard and starts having snakes in the house. Um, so you know that snakes are definitely a, a part of it, you know, and especially in old Ancient lore snakes are the demons or devils, right? It's always that kind of idea. Right. Well, yeah, they also mentioned that the four girls that died had snakes carved into their head. So it was definitely part of the ritual. Yes. Yes. And didn't they also have them like in their bodies as well? Yeah. Well, yeah, they yeah. found yeah, they found snakes around the whole thing. Well, right. well, yeah, when they they said when they eventually searched his house, he had snakes everywhere in his house. Right. Um so, yeah, I mean, stuff starts quickly ramping up at this point in time. I would say um to the point where uh what, all of a sudden, you know, they're they're out there all of a sudden starts start shooting at the house and some drunken Harris who's just shooting into the house. Um, um, well, yeah, well, yeah, the, basically the lady had progressed to the point to where she was just in the hospital at that point. Yeah. Like they literally had to like restrain her in the hospital. Cause she's like uh, several cases of her just like straight up attacking people yeah. for like no reason. So she was in the, in the, in the hospital like that. And Harris was very distraught over that. And that's why he was shooting their van or whatever. Right. And he's very drunk. You know, you can clearly tell there's something going on between them. Um, cops come and you know Sarah knows the cop. He's like, "Well, we're not to press charges." He's like, "You're having a fun time, yeah." But, but the van got in the way. Um, but he is—he gets injured, does he not? Or no? He's in the hot. You know, he's like, "Okay, 
He sobers up next day. He's in the hospital visiting Deborah. Um, and you know, there, there's more secretive stuff going on there. Um, they kind of leave the room. He's in there and she says, you have to kill me. So he grabs a pillow and starts to, uh, smother her. Right. But stuff starts looking very like demon as possession type stuff. He gets messed up bad. Well, he gets hit with a TV. So yeah. 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 Um, so, you know, he is, you know, in the hospital because he is now severely injured. Um, Sarah goes and talks to him and, you know, she's like, she's finding out all these clues about her mom and this physician that disappeared doing this, you know, occult stuff. And, you know, she's like, why are they digging in the yard? You know, this is fresh dirt. This doesn't make any sense. They dug up and like, this is fresh. Like something was here and someone recently dug it up. Well, um, yeah. Well, well, good. Yeah. Because the big secret that he told her was that is she killed um, him. Well, yeah, she, she killed him, but she killed him because uh, the daughter was supposed to be the fifth. Right. And because I'm assuming they don't officially say this, but I'm assuming that because he was using her as the switchboard operator to do messages and shit like that, that she probably mm-hmm. overheard something or whatever that yeah. would lead her to believe that she was going to be the fifth, which is why she, you know, pulled all her records and, and burned it all. And then eventually went where he, where the daughter was supposed to be and then killed him. And then they buried him in the backyard. Yeah. Um, you know, so eventually, yeah. So they find, they find the body because, they're in the house and they look up into the attic and there's a clear human shaped stain, you know, by the stairs to the attic. Right. Even though the body was in a sack. Right. <laughs> that I was like, not human shaped. Right. But it was, it looked like a head and a torso. Right. Oh uh, yeah, I did. I, th- I yeah. think that might've been uh, you know, artistic, artistic license, maybe, maybe, uh, but they get into the attic and they find a, a bag full of, you know, it's kind of him between the rafters in the insulation. They open it up and they go, Oh, yep. That's, that's a dead body. And Hey, look, there's snakes and shit, everything in here. You know, this is what was the sack that we saw in the wheelbarrow beginning with Harris and Deborah that they were burying him. Or like they had moved him because he's been dead for a long time, about 40 years. Right. Um, and so they start to, uh, you know what? We got to burn this body. We were told this is what has to get done. So, you know, everyone's giant fireplace they have, they start to light up a whole bunch of snakes come out and hissing. And as they start to burn the body, the hospital calls because her mother escaped. Well, and yeah, well, took- it, it basically, the, the fire put itself out with this kind of kinetic blast. Yeah. And then they all got scared and ran out of the house, and there was like some kind of entity in the window yes. looking at them as they were leaving the house. And then as they were all outside, like trying to figure out what happened, that's when the hospital calls. Right. So them trying to burn the body, you know, triggered, you know, the possession of Deborah Logan to escape. Um, and she takes a cancer patient girl as well. And they have video footage, you know, she bites the neck out of a security guard. And they also show the footage where she, she's shackled 
and she just rips her skin off of her hands to escape. Right. And the other interesting thing is they said the guard, the reason that he was like, uh, you know, unconscious or whatever, is that he was in uh, shock from snake venom. Yeah. So like her bite is venomous at this point, apparently. Yes. Yes. Um. So like, all right, we, you know, and you know, they're missing a, a Toya Corolla from the parking lot. And, you know, so that she calls her sheriff, Sarah calls her sheriff friend. And they go, I think we know where she's going. She's going to the hills where the doctor was doing the sacrifices way back 40 years ago. Um, so they follow her. They find the truck. Uh, lots of, you know, shaky cameras, not showing a lot of stuff. Um, eventually go into like a cave system that's in the hills. Um, you know, the, the mother is clearly gone and very, uh, demon-esque in possessions and has like jump scares that she tries to do and just disappears. Um, eventually they find her. Uh, they have to crawl through a very small tunnel that's just crawling with snakes. You know, and they find her and they see her behind a rock and her jaw is unhinged and she's starting to eat the little girl. Um, she kills you know, the cop shoots at her and doesn't do much and she ends up getting killed the sheriff does oh, yeah so yeah to be fair like she had the 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 uh, the girl's whole head in her mouth yes <laughs> so it was it was very much um right um yeah so essentially you know they realize hey she's definitely possessed and you know the guy was she's essentially a snake at this point in time being on the hinge jaw and eat a person or try to. Um, they manage to get her off the little girl, uh, and then they finally are able to burn the the guy's body, the, the physician's body, uh, and it works. And the mom seems to be in shock, but okay. Um, so they, you know, the little girl's returned, you know, she has like teeth mark in her head but other than that she's unscathed um and you know they they go okay she's fine they're gonna try it you know send her a trial but she's you know medically unable to be tried just because she's tearing so fast kind of showing that the physician inside her just destroyed her body from the inside out you know and we get what a couple months later or a year later, and we see the little girl that had cancer that she's all healed. She's celebrating her 10th birthday. Everything seems to be okay. And then she kind of just looks at the smart camera and smiles in that she has a plan. Alluding to that the physician entity jumped into her end of movie, right? Right. Yeah, I'm not... Uh, yeah. I mean, because I, she had leukemia, right? Yeah. And and she got 100% better. So I yes. wonder if somehow the ritual finished anyway. Right. I mean, he did kill other people there. So maybe yes. they, they counted. I don't know. Maybe. Or it's just he... Well enough that, like, his... his him possessing the 
the little girl, not immoral, but healthy enough to cure whatever she has. It's kind of open for open. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, we don't know. I just right. That's kind of what I was thinking was that she's now immortal or something. Yeah. Um, which I would say so, but you know, why would she have plans? But anyway, um, so you know, my first thought, like I've. I don't recall ever hearing about this movie. I watch a lot of horror movie lists and I don't remember ever seeing this on any. Um, and I don't know how I missed this. It was um, a good movie. Yeah, it was good. I I've seen the the cover art of it before. So like flipping through streaming services, I've seen it before. Um and it sounded interesting, but it never quite sounded interesting enough for me to watch. <laughs> Okay. Um, but like, yeah, the you know that the the streaming cover art of it's like that red background with like the stylized yeah. kind of her face, you know, when she's like taking yeah. over. Yeah, I've seen that part before, but I've never okay. seen the movie before. No. Um, but I mean, I, I thought it was a fantastic movie. I thought, like I said, the taking of the Upper Logan had multiple meanings. It was, you know, her being taken over by the ghost of the physician. Her t- the taking of her mind from Alzheimer's, so I think it had different meanings, and it's pretty good. I mean, what were your first thoughts on this when watching it? Okay, so yeah, I mean, first time watching this movie is uh, it was good. Like I said, I liked uh, the way it was put together. It's found footage, but it's it's done well. It's like a lot of it is you know that that goofy shaky cam stuff, right? But it just looks like so amateurish, you know. Like even like people like you know. Oh, we're we're doing a documentary. I was like, with that shaky cam, <laughs> like who's right. gonna who's gonna watch that thing? Um, but yeah, no, they did a they did a pretty good job. Um, I mean, like everybody is pretty believable in the movie. Um, you know, like there's actually a guy that like when weird stuff starts happening, he just like leaves, right? Like, straight up, he just like, nope, I'm out of here. And he 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 does not come back <laughs> to like yep. save the day later on. No, he's just gone. He just leaves. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. Um. I mean, yeah, again, the, everything that happens. I mean, there's, there's, uh, they do what I like, which is where they have a lot of stuff behind the scenes they don't fully explain to you, um, which is, right. which is good. You know, it leaves just enough of a mystery to, to keep it interesting. I think they may have given us maybe too much information about, um, that, that, you know, pediatrician murderer guy. Um, they could have had a better name for that guy. I don't know what that, I don't even, I don't even know what his name is now. <laughs> Like they said it like twenty times. I have no idea what his name was. Uh, it was something like very French and very goofy pronounced. I'm like, I don't know what the hell they're saying. I mean, thankfully they always did the whole that they would show the picture of him on the screen whenever they were talking about him. Like, okay, we're talking about this guy. So it was it was like Henry Deshardines. Yeah, I don't. But they were saying it all weird. It sounded like yeah. they were saying like. Amid Arins or so I don't know. I don't uh, know what the I don't know what they were saying. Like I don't know. But again, they showed his face usually when they were talking about him, and usually they just referred to him as like the pediatrician or something. So it made it a little easier to understand. But yeah, I don't know why they had to pick a goofy ass name like that. Right. Uh, maybe maybe to have the whole French thing in there, like that she was speaking French because she doesn't know French. Made so they made him French, but they could have had just like an easier French name. Jock Pierre. Yeah. <laughs> Offending my, uh, you know, <laughs> savage American, t- you know, preferences, yeah. I guess. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I, other than that, I, I thought it was good. I mean, 
you know, it, it progressed nicely. I mean, you know, it had nice pacing, tension, all that kind of stuff. It was all good. I thought they did a great job all around. Yeah. So, I mean, where you're, let's just roll into the highlights then for you. Mm-hmm. So, highlights for you in this movie. Um, highlights is, um, I mean, I, I like the portrayals of the characters. I really liked how, how believable they were. Um, I also liked that the sound guy and the camera guy both survived, which is a rarity. And yeah. in all of these movies, the camera guy and the sound guy are usually the first people to die. Almost always. Oh, absolutely. And then, and then, and then the, you know, whoever the main character, I use that in quotes, the main characters, they take the camera and then they just have the same exact skills as the camera person. Like, it doesn't even matter that the camera person is there anymore. Uh, so it's very, very rare for them to survive. And for both of them to survive is extremely rare. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, even like the the performance of like her having Alzheimer's before, obviously it progresses into like supernatural type stuff. Like it all very believable. Um, you know, like, I mean, her performance was outstanding. I mean, just kind of all around. It was great. <laughs> um, you know, she plays a nice old lady. You know, she plays a nice, um, you know, person, you know, suffering from, you know, Alzheimer's, who's not quite coming to terms with it. She plays a good, you know, evil entity, <laughs> you know, yeah. all around. She does it. She does a great job. And it's, she's relatively um, unknown, right? At this point in time, I don't really know who she's. I haven't seen her in a whole lot of things. The only person I knew this entire movie was Dollar Sarah. Yeah, I had seen her in some stuff. I mean, minor stuff, nothing, nothing major, but I had seen her in some stuff before. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it was interesting. I mean, there, you know, there's there's things that you think are are kind of leading into it, and they and they kind of, you know, pull those punches. So it's not exactly what you expect, uh, which is nice. <laughs> right. They didn't they didn't have Harris kill the guy like she actually killed the guy, <laughs> which is, you know, refreshing. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Ab- absolutely. And. Yeah, and, and to your point, like everything was done well. Like these these movies can get pretty bad at times, um, just just because of of the nature of them, right? The the whole oh, have the lights off, have lights on, and stuff like that. And you know, Paranormal Activity did it okay, uh, but this. You know, they leaned into the whole. This is a true story. Here, snippets of crimes have happened. It's almost, it's almost like became a true crime podcast at one point too, when they're investigating the doctor, and it's just a really well meshed together storyline that was just it. You know, it was a slow burn, but when it ramped up, it ramped up, right? And we, you know, get a uh, very potential bad ending. Which makes sense because you know, you think you're gonna be able to beat this entity you don't know. No, it's, yeah, oh yeah, it's not. Well, it's not quite a full bad ending. A full bad ending is like all the heroes are dead. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then the thing that happens. So, but it's like that. Um, you know that I don't know what I, I think you want to call it like a sequel ending. So where like you think it's over, but then it's not. <laughs> right. Not that there would be a sequel to this. I'm just saying that this that's the kind of ending that it is to where like there's a little stinger at the end or like, oh, it's not over yet. Right. And and I like that, that, you know, yes, people survive, but the let's call it lack of a word, evil necessarily didn't die. Right. <laughs> so no, I, I like that. 
Um, I'll I'll go into my low points then. Snakes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I have where I live. There's you know, a lot of garter snakes, and you know, dogs get into them. And I, I just get rid of them. I would not be able to cross with a tunnel of snakes. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm not like afraid of snakes, but I also don't want to snakes to be like on me you know what i mean yeah. like I'm not, i wouldn't be a big fan of that um quick aside <laughs> in real life here i was when i was walking the dog in the woods today um i legit saw a snake's head that had been removed from its body hanging from a tree branch in the forest huh. preserve it's a warning i that's what i'm saying <laughs> i'm like uh <laughs> Like, am I, am I trespassing on somebody's like ritual property here? Like, what <laughs> the heck? But yeah, a snake's head, relatively fresh, like removed from the rest of the body, and then like uh, attached to the tree, like stuck on the tree with like some of the the the, the viscera hanging off of it. It was not pleasant, but I just thought it was interesting. Uh, you, you stumbled onto. Your French guys. <laughs> Apparently, I was like, "This is bizarre." Yeah. Um. You know, but what? What are your low points, though? Uh, my, my low points in this is just the uh, the portrayal of like law enforcement. Um. Okay. If, <laughs> if someone kidnaps a girl, I don't care if it's an old lady with Alzheimer's. I don't care who it is. If somebody kidnaps a girl and and kills, or I should say potentially kills a security guard or some form of law enforcement on the way out, there would be the entire police force of like the state, the county and that town in those woods looking for that lady and that kid. I mean, there is no way around that. There's no way that just the sheriff and the deputy are just going to do it by themselves. And Oh, Hey, film crew, come on in our, our police car and come with us. Right. Like there is no way in hell <laughs> that that would happen. That's just, that's not possible. So one, the, 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 I guess this complete lack of like, you know, police ability to like do a search and two, like, yo, sure. Jump in the back of our, you know, truck and, and join our investigation. <laughs> you know, that's potentially, you know, with murdered children and, and death. Yeah. Just come on, hop in the back. We could use your camera and you can film the whole thing. Right. Yeah, that's yeah, not very obviously. Uh, hopefully, not very common. <laughs> um, yeah, like I said, overall though, I I I'm very happy I watched this. It was better than I thought it was going to be. By like I said, I didn't know really what to expect going into it. I didn't watch any trailers or anything like that. So, um, but yeah, let's get into our our reigns of this. I'll I'll go first. So. I said we're doing uh, coroner's bells out of ten. This is a pretty solid movie. I'm I'm going eight point five coroner's bells out of ten. How about you? Um, I agree. It's 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 decent. I don't I don't think I'm going to go that high. I'll go um, uh, we'll go seven coroner's bells out of ten. Uh, seven? I thought it, so. A rewatch, seven. right? Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's definitely worth a rewatch. It was it was good. It was a solid. I, don't, I just don't think it was. Great. So, fair. Uh, so, yeah, why don't you bring us then into the autopsy of James Doe? <sighs> okay. 
Autopsy of Jane Doe, uh, 2016. Yes. <clears throat> so, uh, basically, we start out with um, a, a, a father and a son. Um, the father is played by Brian Cox. The son is by Emil Hirsch. Um, they're basically... Well, there, I guess there's two other characters that are kind of sort of in it, but they're barely in it. It's yes. mo- it's mostly just them. Um, essentially, they run like a, a father-son uh, morgue. Uh, so they're like coroners mm-hmm. or whatever. But it's like the family business. Yeah. I guess they've been doing it for generations. And they do it out of their own house. So out of their basement of their house. So they have this like big kind of basement. So they have like all modern medical facilities. Like, you know, it looks exactly like you'd expect a morgue and coroner's office to look, only it's in the basement of a house. Um, but the basement is also very old. Like they showed pictures of the house like, you know, a hundred years ago. And it's still you know, that looks pretty much the same. So yeah, things have been built on and added to, but it's still an old house. Right. Anyway. So yeah, so it shows them going through their day, um, you know, shows them going through like a, an autopsy, which is, I mean, if you don't like gore, you probably wouldn't like this part. <laughs> um, the, so there's, you know, they go through like an autopsy of like a, a burn victim who turns out not to be a burn victim. He, he had like a, a you know, I don't know what embolism or something. I don't remember what it was, but he had something that happened to him that caused him to die before he was burned in the fire. Um, and he's actually like, the, 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 the dad trying to teach his son to not just look for the obvious that there's other causes and be thorough. You know, right. He's going to be taking over this practice. Right. Yeah. So the son is like the apprentice to the dad is essentially yeah. what we're showing here. Um, so uh, his girlfriend shows up. Um, and they're going to go out and watch a movie, um, you know, and go hang out, whatever. Um, and then as he's on his way out, uh, the sheriff comes in, uh, who is Roose Bolton. I don't know his real name. <laughs> um, so he brings this body in and he says that he needs a, ca- a cause of death by the morning because this is like a, you know, kind of important, crazy case. And he wants to have answers for the press in the morning. So, you know, do it as soon as you can. And the dad well, is we, like, do we get. Do we open up though on the crime scene? I thought we do. Well, yeah. In the very, very beginning, we see the sheriff looking through the crime scene and then finding a body being buried in the basement. Like it's a dirt basement being buried yeah. down there. And that's, and then now this is the body that he's bringing to them. Yes. Um, so, uh, okay. Yeah. So he's out, he walks out the door. So the dad's like, I don't worry about it. I got it. Um, so he walks out front with his girlfriend and basically says, like, you know, I can't just leave him alone. I have to go back and help him. Um, but you're like, you know, come back at 11 and then we'll go out then. Like, it shouldn't take that long. You know, it should just take us a couple hours to get this done. Um, come back then and then we'll we'll go out. She's like, OK, fine. She leaves. Yeah. And so they go down and they're doing the whole, um, you know, autopsy thing where, you know, they they bring her in. You know, they unbag her, put her on the table, like, you know, clean her off, whatever. Um, they kind of just go through the whole autopsy process. Um, so they're looking at, you know, the external, um, and there's nothing obviously wrong. There's no cuts, no bruises, no, you know, blood or bruising, nothing like that. It looks just like a standard, you know, freshly dead body. Um, they do find some minor things. One is that when they open up her eyes, they see that the eyes are like, you know, that like milky dead eye. <laughs> Uh, yep. which usually only happens after several days of death. Um, unless you're in the walking dead, it happens immediately, <laughs> but <laughs> um, 
you know, so that's what, you know, so it's obviously, so it looks like she's been dead for several days. Only the body and the skin looks like she was freshly dead within hours. That's the first anomaly. The second thing they find right. is that her um, wrists and ankles have been shattered as if they've been, you know, like, uh, you know, binded and bind, bound and then broken and then, you know, whatever torture, essentially. Um, but, but there's no, no but no marks. Yeah. Yeah. No bruising, <laughs> no scarring, no nothing. Um, so it's, yeah, again, extremely odd. Like, how could this happen? Right. Yep. Um, so then, yeah, that's the external stuff. They write down the notes. Oh, they also notice that her waist is really small. And um, they're like, okay, well, we'll find yeah. out. We'll have a better idea as to why when we open her up. Um, so then they basically start moving on to the internals. Uh, they, they cut her open and they see that her internal organs are all like scarred up. Like it looks like somebody like stabbed all of her organs, but then they like somehow healed over. And her lungs are look like there's like been burned alive, smoker's lungs. That right. he said like thirty packs a day wouldn't do this. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. He said like this is like you know someone who died in a fire, like that level of black. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and all the all the organs are like you know again stabbed and scarred and and horrified. And he's like, I don't know how this could happen without any kind of external markings. Um. So again, just kind of mysteries. Well, also um, when they come open, the the way the blood flowed was it's like. She's not that. She's right. Fresh. Yeah, the, yeah, the blood flowed. And he was like, I've only seen this before when the body is like only like an hour or two dead. And it's usually yeah. just a pressure issue. And it was like, you know, again, just surprising, just oddities. Also, her tongue was ripped out, not surgically. Well, it was cut uh, out. Not yeah. it was it was not surgically cut out, but it was cut out. Very haphazardly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Not nicely. Yes. Um, but again, it was like not fresh but you know obviously recent um yeah so that they're okay like okay this is weird so they take all the you know the organs out as you do during an autopsy um and then they're moving on to the digestive system um they cut open uh well i guess they did they found a fiber like a, a fabric fiber in her mouth um and then when they cut open her intestine they pull out like a little piece of fabric yeah which matches up to the one in her mouth so like yes she was forced to eat this and it's like got all these like weird symbols and and letters and and stuff on it um so there's like what they think are roman numerals but they don't know what they mean um there's like a big circle with like you know symbols and designs they don't know what it means um but her tooth was inside of it like it was this was wrapped around her tooth so somebody pulled her tooth and then made her swallow it covered in this uh, piece yeah. of fabric, which, you know, they, by the thread in their mouth, you know, obviously was forced to eat it. Um, right. So yeah, at this point, they're like, okay, this is weird. And at this point is where we start getting um, like kind of weird stuff happening to where like the radio that they're listening to is like telling them about um, the storm that's coming in and it keeps like switching back and forth to like weird stations. It keeps playing that one song where it's like open your heart or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, this, this kind of weird little anomalies, you know, strange things that are happening. Um, I think the sun goes off at one point, um, because he's hearing noises and he finds their, their cat Stanley was, was dead in the, uh, uh, in the vents. 
um, and they like burn them in their crematorium. I think that was just the scene to just show that they have a crematorium there. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, but, it, and then that, like, as they're doing that, um, there's kind of weird, like flashes of like, you know, hallucinations, essentially. Like the guy thinks he sees somebody standing around the corner, you know, in, in like the mirror. And then when he goes around there, there's nobody there. Um, just, you know, obviously weird stuff is starting to happen is essentially what they're trying to get across. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they get back in there um, and they kind of, you know, they're like, okay, well, let's just, you know, continue with this thing. Let's just keep moving. Um, and so then as they're, you know, working through everything, they notice something on her skin, like on the inside of it. It looks like a tattoo or something. So they kind of peel away her skin and look at it. And it basically, it looks like the same symbols that were on that piece of fabric in her intestines are actually like tattooed on the inside of her skin. Right. And they're all like, Oh, this is crazy weird. You know? And then the radio starts going crazy again. And then there's like this kind of big surge. And then all the lights in their, in their little morgue area, just blow out. Yeah. Um, so they, you know, kind of get up like, oh man, what happened? You know, they're both okay, but obviously they don't have any lights. The power has like, you know, gone out. <laughs> they don't know what's happening. So they they try to sort of get out. Um, and the, and the storm has now hit, you know, full blast. Um, so they can't get out because the, obviously the elevator isn't working because the power isn't working, even though the generator kicks on, but the generator doesn't have enough power to op- to power the elevator. And they right. can't get out of the, you know, kind of old house, you know, the old, like, you know, cellar doors that they have that open up to the outside. They can't get through that because a tree has fallen on it. Um, so they're basically trapped in there. Yep. So they go into the dad's office um, and then they're, um, you know, he's trying to make a phone call. He does get through to the police, um, but they're, you know, they're like breaking up bad, bad connection. Um, and then eventually it just cuts out completely. So, like, he doesn't know if they got the, the point across or not that they're trapped in there, um, but they need help. And at that point is when, um, well, I guess I kind of left out a little part. When, when the girlfriend was there earlier, she went in and she wanted to see one of the bodies. Yes. And the dad and the the, the, the the boyfriend was like, no, no, you don't want to see any of those bodies. And the dad was like, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Pull one out. Um, and so they, they yeah. pull one out. She wants to see the one with uh the gunshot wound to the face <laughs> um and they and they pull it out and there's like a whole thing of like um you know she's looking and she sees like a bell on the foot and he's like well, what's this all about and he's like oh well this is an old tradition you know the coroners as we were talking about a little earlier where you know if, if the body's not quite dead if they move around you'll hear the bell ringing so then they know they got a live one down there right <laughs> so he does the tradition of tying the bell to their foot um just as like he said, he's a traditionalist. That's the way, you know, he likes to do it the old way. Yeah. Um, and so when she goes to pull the, you know, the little sheet off of the face, he like rings the bell and she gets real scared and, you know, they all laugh and it's a good time <laughs> anyway. So uh, fast forward back to where we were. Um, so they're sitting in there. The, the phone line is now cut off. They don't know what to do. And then they start hearing the bell jingle, which means that yes. a corpse has gotten up and is walking around. Um, and it, you know, they're basically like, okay, there's enough weird stuff that's been going around. You know, they don't want to take chances. So they like close the door and lock it. 
Um, and the door is jingling, you know, the bell is jingling down the hallway and then it gets in front of the door and it starts like banging on the door. Like it wants to get inside. So they move the, this file cabinet over. Um, and then they kind of retreat back in. The dad goes in the bathroom, um, to like, I don't know, wash his face. I don't know what the hell he was doing. Um, there's like a scene where they think that somebody's behind the shower curtain, but there's really not. Um, but like right after that happens, um, the dad gets like pulled by some unseen force and the door slams the son can't get in when he does get in he's like on the ground he's all injured and he like it looks like i don't know something hit him and like messed up like all his ribs or something like all his ribs are like bruised yeah um so yeah he's he's not in great shape but you know they're they're doing what they can (laughs) um and so and then eventually the file cabinet gets pushed over and the door is open and the son sees this and then just kind of like doesn't do anything about it. <laughs> just sits there with his dad and then they get up and they basically decide that, um, you know, all this weird stuff is happening. Um, the only way that they can, you know, figure out what is really going on is to just finish the autopsy. <laughs> well, um, do they try to burn her first? Well, or is this, that's the point, right? Well, yeah, I think yeah, they get to the point and then they, they're trying to figure out more and then they decide to do that afterwards. Okay. So they go back in there, they turn the light on and they're basically, you know, finishing the autopsy to where they like the, the last part of the autopsy is where you like you skin the head and you cut the the scalp off and you take the brain out. Right. Um, which they don't take the brain out, but they do cut a sample of the brain off and then they check it under the microscope and they see that the brain is still alive. Yep. Like completely alive. And at that point they're like, Oh, like what is going on? And at that point he, for whatever reason, he's messing around with the fabric that they pulled out of his stomach and he folds it over. And that way he sees that when you fold it over, all of the symbols kind of match up. And they basically figured out um, that this says um, that she died in 1693. Right. Which was like, you know, the height of the witchcraft era. Um, and then, you know, they kind of realize all the things fit like her tiny little waist is because she wore a corset, which was commonplace right. back then. Um, you know, basically all these things that happened to her, all the things that they used to do to witches back in those days. Burning of the stake. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they basically figure out that, like, this person was probably not a witch, but in doing all of these horrible things to her, they basically made her into one. Yes. But. Because she's like dead, essentially her body's dead. She can't do anything herself. She can only like manipulate the world around her, which is essentially what's happening. Um, and that's the point where they go, yeah, okay, let's just set her on fire so we don't have to deal with this problem. Um, so yeah, they cover in all kinds of like flammable whatever liquids that are laying around, uh, and they light her on fire. The fire goes like all over the place but right. doesn't actually burn her. So they put out all the fire that, you know, lit everything else in the room on fire and she puts herself out. And then now she's completely unharmed and back to normal. Yep. Uh, so yeah, at this point they, they basically try to escape, but now like the bodies are out. The bodies have gotten out of the morgue and they're all over the place. And so they're kind of trapped in the, in the morgue and they have to like chop their way out with like a little fire ax thing that they got. Right. Um, 
and yeah, they basically have to like fight their way through the smoke and through the the, the bodies that are scaring them, um, and just popping up and banging on doors and stuff. They see like the one lady that had uh, cancer that had her eyes sewn shut. <laughs> they see her like through the the little hole that they chopped in the door. Um, anyway, just scary stuff. So basically, they the the power comes back on, and so they decide they got to make a run for it. So they they run, um to the elevator you know they fall down they get lost a couple of times but they make it there um and they're they get in the elevator um and they're trying to go up and of course you know as the doors are closing the the power cuts out again um so they're just kind of sitting there with the door open enough for them to look out and they hear the uh the bell coming again and they you can clearly well not clearly but you see that it's the guy with the blown out face Right. Um, but yeah, like, but again, the, the smoke and the way that the lighting goes, because the lights are like going out as he's moving towards them. Um, so you can't really see what's going on, but you can hear the bell. Um, so as it gets closer and closer and closer and closer, and they're like, oh man, it's right on top of us. Um, so the dad just like starts swinging the axe out of the elevator door and hits something. And he's like, okay, I, he's like, I think I got it. And then the lights come back on, they go out there, and it was the girlfriend. Yes. <laughs> the girlfriend had come back. Um, you know, to, to see what was going on. I don't know why she, well, I guess we find out later, but in their mind at this point, I was like, why would she have come out in this, this horrible storm and how the hell did she get down there? Yeah. But anyway, so, uh, yeah, she's like dead, dead. Yeah. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's no surviving this, you know, the dad feels real bad about it, but at this point he's like, whatever, you know, we gotta, I gotta get you out of here. You know, whatever happens to me happens, you know, but we gotta get out of here. We got to like survive this night. Um, so basically at this point, um, I think, what do they, what do they do? I think they go back and they try to push open the door that they, and, the, they, and the cops out there saying, Hey, hold tight. We're trying to get to you. And it's not really the cop. Right. Um, yeah, so they they go back in the room, um, and and basically they see that she's like now completely healed, like all of her cuts and everything. Oh, they show the blood coming back into her right, body. Right, yeah, she's she's completely healed, and the dad basically gets the point of like at this point, you know, he just wants his son to live, so he he just like talks to her because yeah, they're trapped in there. The bodies are back. They're back. They're trapped in the morgue again. Um, and he basically, you know, tells her like, just let my son live. You can do whatever you want to me. Yeah. Um, and so essentially what she does is I, I guess like possesses him in some way, shape or form, and then gives him like all of the injuries that she has to right. him. So like, yeah, he goes through all the stages of like, you know, his hands, wrists and ankles are broken. His, you know, insides are being stabbed. Like, you know, you can see he's spitting out all this smoke when the lungs are getting blackened. Like all of these horrible things happen. Um, and then as he's on the ground, like, you know, dying a horrible, horrible death, he convinces the son to to end it for him. And then the son stabs him with the, the scalpel and, and kills him. Right. Um, and so at that point, um, the son is able to get out of the room because, you know, I guess she was true to her word and all the bodies went away. Um, so then he goes back out to the door. The cops are now saying, Hey, you know, open the door. We're here. Help us. Um, and so they, he's like, I can't open it. And he's like, well, we moved the, the the logs away. You should be able to open it now. He's like, I can't open it. And then he goes, Oh, open it. And then he starts singing the open your heart song that was right. on the radio earlier. And he realizes that this is just a big trick. Like this was, 
you know, the cops were never out there. Um, and then he turns and he sees, I think, her face, right? No, his his dad. Oh, that's right. His dad's face. Yeah. And then he basically loses his balance, falls through a broken railing, and then lands on the ground and dies. Yep. Um, and then we cut to um, the sheriff coming in later on. Uh, there was no storm. <laughs> there, you know, the the radio was was totally fine. The the guy in the radio says like, "Oh, we have another perfect day, just like the five last days of sunshine." Days. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, yeah. So like, none of that stuff really happened. Um, all the stuff that they think happened, you know, as far as like things around them was just totally fabricated by you know this witch body. Right. Um, so yeah. So they basically just see you know dead dad, dead girlfriend, dead son, and they just have no idea what happened. So then, yeah. you know, they're like, oh, do you want to, you know, send this to the other, you know, funeral horn morgue? And he's like, no, no, get this thing out of my county. He's like, send it to send it somewhere else. I don't want it here anymore. Yeah. And then that's the end of it. Well, and then it's ambulance. The song, the ambulance, the song starts playing the ambulance and her toe twitches. Right. So another bad ending. <laughs> well, yeah. But, well, well, this one is, yeah, because everybody dies. Yeah. Um, but you said this wasn't your first time seeing it. So what was your first thought seeing it and on the rewatch as well? Um, I liked it a lot. Because, I mean, it's, it's, you get these movies like this where it's like uh, kind of an intense scenes between like, it's essentially between like two characters. Right. Um, because the third is just a dead body on the table and that she doesn't interact with all anything at all. It's just, you know, Brian Cox and Emil Hirsch basically reacting to the things around them and then talking amongst themselves. And they do a fantastic job. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, the acting of this is top notch, but again, you get movies like this where the acting is not great or the writing is not great. And it's horrible. It's a total drag. Cause you like, you don't want to deal with this. There's nothing to cut to. <laughs> There's no other things to deal with. It's like, you have to deal with these characters you don't like for the whole length of the movie. And it's horrible. But this one does it in a, in a very, very good way. Um, and like you really care about what's going to happen to these characters It's interesting. The whole autopsy thing is interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, just the, the way that the, the kind of, um, you know, puzzle unfolds, um, you know, the way that there's like all these, you know, kind of just creepy, you know, wandering corpses around, which don't actually really like interact with them in any real way, but they're just, no. there is like a constant kind of like, you know, ominous, scary thing. Uh, so essentially it's just yeah. it's it's basically just all in their mind. Like nothing physically happens to them other than the dad getting hurt. Right. Um but yeah, nothing physically happens to them other than basically just being scared and <laughs> them falling down and stuff. I mean, but on on your rewatch, was it just as good for you or was it better? No, it was uh well the same. because I knew what was going on, I knew it was going to happen. Um it had been long enough where I didn't remember all the details, so it was still really fun like if i watch it again like tomorrow it might be a little bit less but um <laughs> i mean i watched it uh probably what two two three years ago uh but it was yeah it was just as good this time as it was that time so it holds up yeah i mean i have actually heard of stuff of this but i don't think i remember the twist with her being essentially made into a witch mm-hmm. um which is interesting that it was a witch because it really seemed like it was like a demonic possession like she was being exercised on a lot of the stuff and it just turned out to be a witch um but no i mean i agree this was fantastically acted it was essentially 
you know, it's, it's that two characters, you know, so it was a, what do they call that type of episode in TV where it's essentially bottle episode, bottle episode, but it's a bottle of movie, but done really, really well, mm-hmm. had potential to be awful because as you said, if done horribly, they're awful, but this is done perfectly, I think. And yeah, I'm definitely glad I watched it. I think I think everything of it was was fantastic. And I think they really portrayed like you know what happens in there. You know, you know the son not wanting to be in the family business because the mom had died, and he's just there helping dad out. You know, so it had character growth and background while still being essentially a bottle of movie. So it was perfectly well balanced, I think. Yeah, like I, yeah, I like it. Right, there's enough stuff going on, so they don't fully explain everything that's happening, but you get bits and pieces to know, you know, where they're at, you know, yeah. headspace wise. And it's, yeah, it's great. It's it's just enough. It's 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 just right. Um. So what are your highlights? Um. Highlights. Uh. Yeah. Like I said before, just the um the acting is obviously. I mean, really, because essentially there's like, what, four real characters here where there's like, um, you know, Bruce Bolton, the sheriff, and then yeah. the girlfriend. But they're, you know, kind of not really in it. You know, they're in the big, the, the, she and him are in the beginning, but it's most of the vast majority of the movie is just the, you know, the dad, the son. And then at the very end, um, well, I guess the girlfriend kind of comes back, but really only as a corpse. She doesn't even say anything in that scene right. where she dies. She's just dead. <laughs> Right. Um, and then the sheriff comes back for his like the, the little you know closure thing at the end. So there's really not um, much else than just them two. But they again stellar performances from both of them. Um, but yeah, I mean just the idea of it. I mean just the whole kind of you know uh, you know scientific breakdown of the autopsy and them just going through the, the the processes and then basically finding things that don't make sense in every stage of the autopsy. Right. It's just interesting. But then, like, you know, still trying to kind of, you know, okay, well, maybe it's because of this or maybe it's because of that. Well, I guess this is technically possible. You know, just kind of moving forward when they really know that they should not be. Like, they like they know that things are wrong and something is definitely seriously wrong. But the way that they keep going, it's just, it's, 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 again, it's just good filmmaking. It's just fun. Yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree. You know, like, the you know, it's not a logical leap into the supernatural right away. You know, they take their job very seriously and yeah, you know, they're going, Oh, and that's when I've seen cases like this before. And it was, you know, human trafficking. And, you know, that's why maybe the legs and hands were broken like that. And that's why the tongue was cut out and stuff like that. And they just kind of eliminate the possible. Right. But the thing is, is like, again, but he always corrects himself. He's like, but I've never seen it without any bruising or scarring before, you know, but again, they know that something is wrong. They know that something is not quite right, but it's like, it's like the skeptics version of a horror movie to where like, nah, you know, I'm not going to jump into supernatural territory yet. We'll just keep going. (laughs) You know, maybe we'll find something to explain (laughs) it as we keep going and they keep finding things that don't make sense. And they just keep going anyway. It's, it's, it's an interesting twist on it. Right. And I thought the twist was good that it was a witch. You expected it to be a ghost or or, or a de- demonic possession. Well, a yeah. And you also expected her to, you know, 
get back to life right and like do things physically as a normal witch like you, you know like she was just like resting or or you know in a state of torpor like right <laughs> healing herself whatever it is um that she was going to get up and act as a normal person but no she doesn't she's just a corpse she just but you know her brain is active and she can manipulate the world around her but she can't her body is dead right well yeah. but you know you never assume that maybe with her toe twitching that she's starting to understand her powers eventually maybe come back you know well, maybe i mean if, if this happened to her in 1693 she's learning real slow if you know we're I mean, talking she's buried this entire time we're talking what like 300 years yeah <laughs> and she learned how to twitch a toe so like maybe in like another 500 she could like you know kick a leg out mm-hmm. sure she'll be dangerous in like <laughs> you know a couple millennia yeah all right. What about low points for you? Uh, low points is the poor cat. <laughs> uh, I mean, I just <laughs> felt unnecessary to just like kill the poor cat off. I mean, they even showed it like with like dead rats and stuff like, you know, that was hunting in the in the vents. Like they could have just like showed that they have a crematorium with that thing. Yeah. You know, they didn't have to just kill the poor cat. They didn't even like link it to her at all. No. Just a dead cat. It was just, yeah. It was just unnecessary. I thought. Yeah. Um. Low points. I don't know. It, it's. I I think the atmosphere was fantastic. The acting was fantastic. I there's not. Yeah, I mean, I guess the cat dined to show that, but I they also kind of used it as you know this is the last thing of your mother's. Now it's dead, so I have to cremate it because it's my job. So, I mean, yeah, I guess using a dead cat as a plot point, not necessary. <laughs> well, uh, again, I, mean, I, I think they got to get the plot across in other ways. But again, I mean, that's a relatively minor yeah. gripe in an otherwise good movie. Yeah. All right. So, how many corner bells out of 10 do you give this movie? Um, I will give this movie, uh, we'll say 8.5 corners bells out of 10. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to nine. I like this one more than taking Deborah Logan. And it's, it's going to be on my rewatch list at some point in time. So that, especially with the wife wanting to rewatch it and not seeing all of it. Yeah, no, it's it's just a it's yeah, it's just a fun movie, it's just well made. It's a it's a it's a fun ride, and it that it, it doesn't overstay its welcome. It's not unnecessarily long. Yeah, yeah, it's a good time. Yeah, so uh, I, I was very pleasantly surprised by it. All right, well then, let's go into our last movie of the full ladies' full names is <laughs> the possession of of Hannah Grace. Where we'll kind of tag team this. Um. So I'll say I was honestly distracted probably the last 15 minutes of the movie um, from other life things. Um, but, you know, we kind of start off with we get the possession of Hannah Grace. She's possessed. Movie done, right? Yeah, There's oh, it's over. An old priest and a young yeah, old priest and a young priest um, performing the exorcism on, on Hannah. You know, she has you know, kind of a, like like wrestling with her eyes. Her eyes are kind of just like Neon blue, I would say. Well, one is neon blue. Yeah, one eye is neon blue. And she's supposed to have, you know, brown eyes, 
Um, and it's a little bit of an exorcist scene, a little bit where she pretends to get better, but no, it's just a trick by you know the demon. Um, she essentially kills the I'd say the older priest, you know, with her power and levitation, and it's like impales him. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, know, I don't quickly, know. Yeah. I don't know quite what impales him, but she like, yeah, slaps him up against the crucifix, and something, yeah. you know, <laughs> goes through his head and kills him immediately. So I don't know what that was, but something was there. Yeah, and then she starts pulling out a Darth Vader on the other priest and just kind of choking him out, and her, her dad, older. He seems older. For she seems pretty young. Well, okay, um, he seems like fifties. Yeah, right? and she's like. You know, 16? No, maybe she's not that young. She's like 20 something, early yeah. 20s, I would say. Um, you know, but the dad is saying, Hey, you have to fight this, and he's it's not doing anything. So he gets a it's another suffocation attempt by, by Pillow. Mm-hmm. Um, this time has a scripture written on it, and essentially he kills her, and the other priest survives, and you know, uh, she's seemingly dead. And possession gone, I guess, at this point. You know? Yeah, and then, yeah, and after that, it just cuts and goes three months later. Right. And they go, oh, well, that was a very quick possession of right. Alien Grace. Uh, what's next? Um, <laughs> right. Like, what's going to happen uh, but three months we, from now? Yeah. Um, so, you know, she, we, then we get introduced to the actual main character of the movie, right? Which is not Alien Grace. Um, and it is Megan who is meeting a friend at Boston Metro Hospital, where she's interviewing to be essentially uh, a mortuary assistant, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. She's, like, the, like, yeah. yeah basically, the overnight, in, yeah, the overnight morgue person that takes in all the dead bodies. Which, um, I don't know. I was well. I, I'll I'll discuss it later. But yeah. I don't know. Who doesn't understand that, like, hospitals, like, nighttime is, like, their busiest time. Right. Like, they always show hospitals at night. I mean, I don't know how many countless movies do this. I mean, we're talking Halloween 2, right? We're talking talking (laughs) this movie. We're talking every other movie that takes place in a hospital. There's no one around. You know, like, they show, like, oh, there's one dead guard or one dead nurse. And then they never encounter any other hospital staff the entire rest of the movie. It's like, I don't, have you ever been in a hospital at night? There's people everywhere. Yes. Everywhere. And you, like, you say that every, every hospital scene <laughs> of doing 38 episodes of this podcast is a dead hospital. It right. Really it's is. like there's, there's no one ever there. Like at night, there's no one there. It's like, okay. At nighttime, yeah. hospitals are busy as hell. There's all, all over the place. There's like most shootings and like overdoses and all that shit happens at night. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I just I don't quite get that. So yeah, so she's working the morgue by herself in an overnight shift, which I don't know if that's no, uh, it, uh, it, uh, uh, whatever. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't get it. <laughs> but it, yes, it, that it, is her job. Yeah. So I mean, you know, so she we, we she gets interviewed and she immediately gets the job. He got kind of goes over. All right, here you take the pictures, you do markings, you put the notes in. You tag them, bag them, essentially, you know, put them into the lockers and then wait for me to come in the morning. I'll go over your notes and do the full autopsy. Um, You know, so she gets her first night and then, you know, she kind of goes home. She's woken up and it's uh, another cop who 
was romantic interest. Um, we learned learn a little bit backstory of her that she was essentially discharged or she left because she, her partner, patrol partner got killed because she didn't pull the trigger. Um, yeah, they don't, well, they leave that part kind of open, but essentially yeah. there's like, there's probably two possibilities here. One is that she was just so scarred by what happened. You know, because when you know when a horrible thing like that happens, like if you're you know a cop and and the guy turns and shoots your partner, it's like they know the whole fight or flight thing, right? Yeah. Um, which is it's technically it's not two options. There's three because there's always the middle option of freeze. <laughs> like you can't do anything and you don't know, right. you know your body like malfunctions and can't process it, and that's what happens. You know, sometimes it happens, right? But so it happens yeah. to her, and so either one, she leaves because she feels like she let her partner down. Or two, they also show that she has an alcohol and drug problem. So maybe she got kicked off the force because she had a problem after that. I mean, maybe right. it doesn't. Again, it leaves it open. Regardless, she's no longer a cop. <laughs> right, and her the nurse that helped her get the job is her AA sponsor as well. Right. So that comes into play later. So I just had to make sure we mentioned that. Um, so essentially then, you know, she, you know, he's like, you know, are you sure you should be doing this? Are you abusing, you know, lots of, I'd say, um, questioning of that. Um, these are, these are questions of like, she's obviously going through something, right? So he's just concerned. And then we get the thing, like they used to be together and that he moved out and she, and she was, well, she's like, you're the one that moved out. And he's like, you didn't give me much choice, which. Who knows what really happened there, but obviously it, it was, you know, kind of ended on a on a sour note, but not quite sour enough for them not to talk or anything. Yeah. Um, so you know, we're introduced to, you know, not not a l- large cast. I would say uh discount carrot top security guard. <laughs> right. You remind me of carrot top, let's face it. Well, uh, he had a <laughs> he had a, a red afro. That's the only yeah. other red afro I know, besides a clown. Yeah. Um, you know, so she's on her second job. You know, he's, I don't remember his name, Dave or something like that. Or Ernie, I think it's Dave. Um, you know, she's, you know, her job essentially is to watch the entrance, the, the ingress of, you know, ambulances or, or any corpses coming in. So she has to monitor all the stuff. Um, she gets a notification that there's someone out there but she looks at the camera and she doesn't see anything so she goes to the door and a hooded figure starts pounding in it's like hey you gotta let me in i've got my key card she's like you don't work here <laughs> on her second day well, all right <laughs> all right and so it starts slamming on the door like let me in let me in gotta let me in and you know she calls security guard or someone or the cops yeah a lot of homeless people try to get in there so just ignore it um then she sees an ambulance pull up and the guy goes hey i'm by myself can you help me load this body out she's like i can't leave my station i can't do that oh stickly for the rules huh you know the last guy wouldn't do it and she ends up doing it but she leaves the door open and you see a shadowy figure you know presumably the Assumed homeless guy kind of go in and she does it, loads the body. Um, and then she starts kind of going over the uh, the 
the corpse, right? And start doing her thing. But she, uh, is that what? Ha- yeah, that's what happens next. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, she brings she brings in the corpse, and then she tries to do the processing stuff. So she she brings it in, and she tries to like take the pictures like she's supposed to, and the camera doesn't work. Right. Um, and then she's and then she takes her fingerprints and then she tries to scan them into the system and the system breaks. Yeah. Um. So yeah, she can't do the pictures, can't do the fingerprints. Um. So she's like, okay, well, system's down. You know, I, I'm assuming there's no overnight yeah. IT. I guess <laughs> so. Like they'll just end right. that over. So she yeah, she just bags her up and then puts her in the drawer. Yes. Um. Uh, what is, is this? When she kind of calls her cop ex-boyfriend to get information. Oh, she tries to log into the police system. She tried using her old login, which didn't work, which kudos to the IT team for locking her out after... Well, not yet. Not yet. This doesn't happen until um, she has the attack with that guy that had come in. Um, That attack happens. He, like, he tries to, essentially, like, it's kind of a creepy thing to where, you know, she hears a noise, she goes in, um, the morgue and the drawer is open where the body, she just put it in there. And then she looks and sees the body like, you know, moving or being dragged through another door. And she sees that the guy, the hooded figure has dragged the body into the crematorium and is going to throw, try yeah. to throw her into the, the cream, you know, cause of course the crematorium is there. So yeah. she's going to try to throw her in there. Um, they obviously have a fight um, where the guy is like trying to kill her with a knife and eventually the knife, she gets a knife away and then he's like trying to strangle her. Um, and then finally security comes down um, because she had said, you know, call the police. There's a person in here, but then hung up before they could say anything else. Um, and so then, yeah, they have like a showdown where he's choking her and then they finally come in and stop him and then arrest him and, and take him out. Um, so yeah, at okay. that point she puts the body back in the morgue and then the, the boyfriend comes there to check on her afterwards. You know, they're like, Hey, yeah. a cop is here to talk to you. And he comes in there to check on her and he's like, yeah, well, is there anything I can do? And that's when she says, yeah, here, take this, these fingerprints and scan them into the system. Because yeah, yeah when she was looking cause she used his login earlier to check on her. And she sees that um, on the license, her license, it says that her eyes are brown. But when she looks at the one eye, it's blue. So she thinks that something. And and we find out that it's Hannah Grace. (laughs) Right. Well, yeah, that's yeah, that's Hannah Grace is the body. And it's, you know, obviously her eyes are blue, very obviously. And then on, on her ID in the system, it says brown. So it doesn't match up. So that's why she wants him to. To scan these fingerprints because she thinks it's like a, you know either a case of mistaken identity or something. Right. She doesn't know what it is at this point, but she she needs these fingerprints to find out more. Um, and then yeah, right. her, we should also notate that there's a big lash on her side, Hannah, Hannah's side. Yeah, there's a big yeah, out. there's a big gash on her side. There's a big gash in her neck. Yeah, <laughs> like her one side of her whole body is burnt. Um, like yep. her one brown eye is burnt closed, so only the one blue eye is the only eye that's functional well or, i shouldn't say functional because she's dead but the only eye that you can see um, right and, and yeah. she finds out doing the research that she died during the exorcism that was months ago and that they're just now getting the body well that was later right on. that was later on. okay um her friend comes down and and helps her with lunch um i think just to 
well, I should say lunch, but yeah, lunch in the middle of the night. Their, um, it's their lunch break. Well, yeah, it's their lunch break. Um, so yeah, they, but they, you know, just kind of like, you know, going over like, Hey, are you okay? Are you, you know, doing everything, you know, is everything all right? Um, they have like a weird scene where she finds her, um, she had a bottle of Xanax that well, she, she had, took from her ex-boyfriend. Right. Yeah. She took from her ex-boyfriend and she's like, okay, well, is there anything I should know? Like, have you been taking these? Uh, because she's like trying to tell her that she's seeing things around the morgue. Yeah, like, she's seen the body. She's seen Hannah's body just kind of briefly on the camera. Right. Well, yeah, she sees the shadow on the ground, and that's what she has got an actual camera like focus on because she gets the um the whatever the code from the uh, um the the security guys to see all the cameras, and so she yeah. she's looking at all the cameras, you know, because she keeps the lights keep turning on and off because they're on sensors. I guess it's kind of an ongoing thing in the in the movie that that lights yeah. are on sensors, so whenever there's movement, they turn on, and so they're like turning on randomly, and she's you know trying to look to see what's going on. And she sees that she shows the lady. The lady thinks she's probably on drugs or something, and that's why she gets dismissed at this point. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it basically keeps progressing from there. <laughs> yes, and she has to when she's meeting her friend, she leaves, you know, carrot top security guy to look at it. He throws a ball, and he's kind of dragged all over the place and essentially crushed in Hannah's slate. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Dragged into the the more yeah. drawer and, <laughs> and crushed to death. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, they and come back from lunch. Why, yeah, yeah, yep. But that's why she also had the camera because Dave was missing. The other guy's like, I can't leave my post. Here's the book, how to do all the stuff. That's where she saw all stuff. Right. I think she also goes to the bathroom and she starts hearing things, seeing things while in the bathroom. Um. Right. Yeah, there's a weird, yeah, weird scene of her in the bathroom where, like, you know, her pants are like all the way down, which is kind of unnecessary for a spooky bathroom scene but it is i guess (laughs) and then when things start happening she just pulls her pants up like (laughs) i'm like ew (laughs) not getting wiped nothing um yeah so yeah but so anyway spooky things are happening right so yeah and that's why you know she starts doing that and that's when people start dying (laughs) <laughs> well yeah yeah so yeah obviously dave the security guard gets killed um her friend goes in the stairwell for a smoke um and then dead dave bleeds on her <laughs> from like a higher up in the stairwell and she goes up there and then you know she gets killed there um but you know obviously the uh megan doesn't know about this right this is just happening off screen um her her uh, ambulance buddy comes back um to drop off another body um you know, drops off a, a body and then he goes to leave. Well, she, you know, shows him everything that's going on. You know, she shows him that. Right. Um, well, hey, he, look, she had this big cut on gone. her side. Yeah. She had this big cut on her side, but now it's healed. Like, do you remember the cut? He's like, yeah, I remember that. That's weird. You know, that's, that's weird. Do you have yeah. pictures? And he's like, oh, the camera didn't work. And he's like, oh, that's strange. Yeah. Um. So then yeah, he goes back out to his um van to leave. And then the van like shuts down and he can't move. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then he gets out and basically gets chased all around the parking garage by Hannah Grace's, you know, body, which is now animated and moving around. Um, so, yeah, he gets killed, too. But again, Megan doesn't see this or know this because it happens outside the camera. Room. He gets crushed by the the ambulance, right? Yeah, I don't know. 
Yeah. He gets killed. <laughs> that's yeah. it. Um, and at this point, that's when um, the boyfriend calls back saying that they got the prince back and that Hannah Grace died three months ago. Right. He's like, oh, well, it must be a glitch in the system or something because that doesn't make sense because obviously that body was fresher than you know three months. Correct. And he's like, oh, okay, well... You know, well, obviously something weird's going on. You know, we'll check it out. And then that's when she goes to check on the body, and then she sees that the body is like healed again. Completely. Right. Yeah. Almost um, completely. Right. Yeah. Almost completely. So she knows something crazy is going on. So then she goes out. Um, I think, like, when she looks at the camera, she sees like the end of the, the ambulance or something. Anyway, she goes back out to check on the guy. Um, and when she goes back yeah. out there, the hooded guy had escaped. From prison, I think the the boy the the police boyfriend guy warns her that he escaped and he's probably yeah. on his way there. Um, so he gets there and he's got a gun and he puts it in her face and essentially, you know, he goes or you know she goes like, "Hey, I believe you," <laughs> you know, like I I believe what's going on. You know, I know what you're trying to do. You're just trying to like, you know, kill her for good. Like I know the murderers weren't you. You know, I, I'm, I'm right. Gonna, and we're basically that's when help he revealed other. that it's that it's hannah's dad right yeah it's it's her dad and then he's trying yeah. to like end it um finish the ritual yeah, yeah finish the ritual <laughs> so then yeah I'm, you know wackiness ensues but eventually they they get the body to the the crematorium because basically yep. like you know he explains that like yeah she gets up and she kills and that the kills heal her not completely but heal you know each kill heals her a little bit but she has to like rest after each time that she does it that's why she like is right. dead in the drawer for a while, and then she keeps coming back to kill because she has to keep healing. Um, so yeah, there's like you know standoff where they're fighting back and forth, fighting back and forth. Um, they go to the crematorium to try to put her in there, and you know she's fighting the dad back and forth. Um, the dad somehow gets inside the thing. Yeah, she kind of like puts him on the slate and then shoves him into it. Right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then so then there's you know fights back and forth. But Hannah or Megan eventually gets Hannah in there as well and pushes her in there, which I don't know. People don't understand how like safety protocols work on like a cream. Like there's no way that that thing would be running with the door open. Correct. There's no way. (laughs) But even if it was, the heat from that thing is so intense that if your hands were anywhere near where the actual flames were, they would be burnt to a crisp melted <laughs> right and she is just like literally like an inch away from the flames like just not even reacting at all um so anyway so yeah eventually wrangles her into the um you know crematorium and then puts it in there but there's kind of like this overarching thing of the reason she didn't kill megan is because you know megan was depressed and upset and apparently the dad said that well, Hannah was oppressed and de- or depressed and upset, and that's what let the demon in. So maybe he didn't hmm. kill you because he is trying to take you over or feels a kinship with you in some way. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, eventually she gets forced into the crematorium and, and burned, and then she just kind of waits there <laughs> playing with her rubber band ball until the police show up. Yes. And then the end. Well, and then there's a fly there are flies throughout the movie there's you know fly on her eye and she has like hallucination of flies and leaving her hannah's body just like a swarm of them right and so it's i i think it's alluding to that maybe you know the demon moved on to her potentially because she also 
was in the same state that Hannah was, so it, maybe it moved into her. I, I think it's kind of a little open-ended at the end. Yeah, they leave it open-ended, but yeah, there's yeah. nothing definitive. Like, they don't even hint it definitively. They just kind of show you that right. there's, I guess, the possibility of. Right. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll go first with the first thoughts. This was mm-hmm. an interesting movie. Um, once again, didn't know anything about this. I don't know how I'm missing some of these. I don't know if just because I got at this point in time, I got so sick of like exorcism movies because they had made a big resurgence again. Yeah, um, there, yeah, there was there was a few years there where there's a lot of them. I think this one is outside of that because I think this one was 2018. Yeah, um, but yeah, I remember there was a lot of those like. Yeah, some of them Deborah were like Morgan was in one. Yeah, there was like yeah, some of them were like um, found yeah. footage. Some of them were just like, you know, uh, but yeah, it was essentially like the the new exorcism wave. Like a lot of them right. came out. Yeah, because we had last ex- last exorcism one and two, which is the found footage one. There was which, the one of like that was that Emily Rose, which um, I believe was uh, Deborah Morgan from Dexter. Okay, yeah, there was, I mean, yeah. but yeah, there was a bunch of those types that came out right in that same time period. I think it was a little bit before this one, but yeah, I can definitely see your fatigue by seeing it. Yeah, but I mean, we we're also though we we're this is also the same time frame we also started getting introduced to The Conjuring with Ed and Lorraine Warren, which were all demon possessions as well. So it was still kind of in that line. So I tend to have skipped these for a bit. It looks like. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I ever even heard of this movie before. I don't, it doesn't sound familiar. No. Um, I mean, you know, like checking lists and stuff, it, it is on there, but I, I don't think I'd ever heard of it. I don't think I'd ever even seen it, you know, cause there's a lot of movies that I've seen, like, you know, skipping through looking for something yeah. to watch it. I don't even remember seeing this one. So no, but I mean, I mean, overall it wasn't, I need to watch it again. It's, Usually when I start watching these movies and the wife watched part of it, she's like, oh, I want to see all of it. So I'll eventually end up watching it all again. Um, I mean, it wasn't a bad movie, and I'm glad I waited as long as I did because, the, like I said, the possession fatigue had kicked in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we're going to be getting these back in, especially with the new Exorcist coming out this year. Uh, but I mean, it, overall, it wasn't a bad movie. It was an interesting take. Um on the possession that they're able to briefly kill and heal up a little bit. So, I mean, it was a different twist or different lore that I've, I think I've seen in, in the possession movie. What about you? Um, I mean, what are your first thoughts? Yeah. I mean, yeah, this really isn't like a, a possession movie. I mean, cause possession movies are usually like, you know, the person is possessed and they're like trying to save them. Right. That's right. usually how those things work. Like, we know they're possessed. Like this one is like, we don't know that that body is possessed. We just know that goofy things are happening around the body, which obviously we know was possessed because we saw the beginning of this movie, but obviously right. Megan did not <laughs> see the beginning of the movie. So she didn't know what was going on. Um, but yeah, it's just like a corpse and wacky things happening. And you know, it's, it's like a slasher for that period of time. I'd say it's basically yeah. a slasher overall with, with just the possession kind of undertone. Yeah. Yeah. It's accurate. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, essentially that's what it is. So yeah, it, it starts off like I mean, the very first scene is an exorcism movie. I mean, but like the, when she dies, the exorcism movie ends, and then, right. the, and then the slasher begins after that. So I, yeah, yeah, I guess it's like one mini movie and then you know one normal movie. Um, but yeah, no, not yeah. bad, not bad. I mean, I was I was prepared for the worst because you know 
Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> for the for the taking a number Logan and the autopsy Jane Doe are both pretty good. Um, and then this one, it's like twenty percent. Oh wow! Like, I was like, oh no, <laughs> this is gonna be bad. <laughs> but it's not. It's nowhere near that bad. I mean, I don't know some of these movies. I don't know who is you know judging these things, but like some of these critics get crazy. Like they expect every movie to be. Yeah breaking new ground it's like of course they're not going to do that you got to look at if, if is it good is it worth watching like not like if it blows your mind i mean obviously as a critic you you need things to blow your mind because you watch so many movies i understand that but i think they have to be a little bit more fair to some of these other movies because some of these movies get destroyed and by the critics and they're not bad again they're not breaking new ground they're not blowing anybody's minds but they're not bad movies no we we seem to be at odds at times with the critics we're going what they rated this highly? Are you crazy? Yeah, and then I mean, other times like they rated this low. Yeah, there are so good. <laughs> there are so so many movies like that. I mean, um, just recently, I'll tell you. Um, you ever did you see Bohemian Rhapsody? No. Okay, it won awards, man. Like everybody was talking about how great this movie was, right? Yeah. It was gonna blow you away. You know, like I like Freddie Mercury. I like Queen. Like, okay, I'll watch this movie. It is horrible. It is horrible. I was watching it with my mom and my brother. We're all like, we took like an intermission break and we all looked at each other. Like, are we all thinking the same thing? Is this movie just really bad? (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, it's terrible. And they're like, okay, good. I thought I was the only one. Like we all agreed. It was horrible. It was a terrible, terrible movie. It just Hmm. like, it's, it just skips over all the really interesting parts of his life. And it just, I don't, it's, it's just so boring. It is no way would it ever be an award winning movie. But critics loved it. Like across the board, critics gave it uh, outstanding reviews. And it is just an objectively bad movie. Hmm. I think I think that was the one. I I mean, I didn't like to agree with critics. I didn't really listen to what they said before that point. But after that point, I don't I just completely disregard it. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't even think about what they say because they obviously are not in touch with what I, you know, think about movies. So after that, I just especially okay. horror movies. <laughs> yeah, horror movies again. <clears throat> horror movies, you know, a, a lot of times they get very formulaic. You know, they follow the same pattern. Like one movie will do well, and they will have like twenty movies that follow the exact same pattern. You know, yeah. um, just trying to like recreate that money. But with horror movies, they cost little to to make. So, like, right. if they if they cost so little to make, even if you're making a tiny fraction of what the actual hit made, you're still making money. So that's why there's so many yeah. of these, you know, garbage remakes and, and garbage formulaic, you know, movies that are exactly the same as all the other ones, because they're still making money. Even those direct to video, horrible, you know, uh, you know, death trap esque, you know, movies are again, they're 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 terrible, but they yeah. still make money. And that's why they keep doing it. That's why they keep making really bad ones, because even the really bad ones make money. Yeah. It's just a very easy genre to make money in, which is why there's a lot of bad versions of those movies. Yeah. So, I mean, what were your highlights of this movie? Um, highlights is I, I don't know if that's the actual Boston hospital. I highly doubt it, but that is the most like Gothic dungeon looking hospital I have ever seen. Right. Like all the walls, like the color scheme, they were like, okay, give me, uh old dingy water stained concrete walls <laughs> like there you go i mean that's the entire place that all the walls look like they were like ancient old water stained dungeon walls 
I mean, the whole thing. It looked like a dungeon. So, I mean, and the, the morgue was, like, expansive. It had, like, how tall were those ceilings? Oh, like 20 30 feet? feet tall? Yeah. I mean, they were huge. Yeah. I mean, like, the lights were hanging at 20 feet, and they were hanging 10 feet from the ceiling. <laughs> I mean, it was like, who, why, who is wasting all of this space on a morgue with this color scheme? I mean, don't get me wrong. I love it. But, like, what? <laughs> like, hospitals yeah. are always low on space. They would not waste all this space for a morgue. But, again, I'm, I'm, I kind of doubt this is the actual hospital. I don't think they filmed in the hospital. They must have filmed in some other building. But it looks cool. I really like the look of that building. Um, I really like the the kind of vibe that that it, it really puts the movie in a certain space already. You know, just looking at that morgue puts you in a, kind of an, an unease, I would say. Um, so yeah, kudos That's to whoever very atmospheric. Yeah, like kudos to whoever found that place and made it the morgue. Um, because yeah. yeah, it really does set the tone for the for the whole for the whole movie. Just the again, just that space that they're in. Yeah. Yeah, um, and it, it, yeah, it, it's. You have other, other highlights? Um, highlights? Mm, no. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I like the space. I like the aesthetics. Um, yeah, no, well, yeah, well, there's one that's like borderline. But I'll, I'll do that one later. Go ahead. Okay. No, I mean, you're right. I mean, we, we discuss atmosphere from the older movies and how a lot of stuff is very lacking in it in modern horror movies, right? And but you're dead on that the atmosphere is like you felt you're working the graveyard shift in like the worst more possible, right? Even <laughs> though it was like super new and like super futuristic, right. but it was like in a like super futuristic in a dungeon. It was yeah, it was a, it's a bizarre twist to it, but yeah, I liked it. Yeah, and I think they did a great way of explaining why she couldn't do new technology, really either. You know that even the technology was being busted and that's that's kind of hinted at lore wise and a lot of demonic possession stuff that they're able to you know electronically interfere with things um but yeah i mean they she she wasn't very because she's not you know a lot of shit happened on her second day (laughs) right yeah but i mean like who would okay a, a job that's that important i mean like um, like in taping, in taking like dead people, like doing their fingerprints, you know, taking pictures of their injuries, like, you know, cataloging and putting them in a morgue, like that's a pretty important job. I mean, like a lot of things can happen that could like totally destroy cases if it's yeah. done wrong and you're leaving her alone <laughs> on her first night. Like you should have at least a week of shadowing someone else. Right. I mean, at, yeah. at the very least, like he basically gave her like a casual walkthrough in the job interview. Okay. Like that. It was like, he showed her how it worked in the interview and then said, you're hired. You start tomorrow. And she was, had to work by herself immediately yes. with no experience. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, well, that's I will ridiculous. say that this is the, the, this is the, I don't know if you ever played the game, the mortuary assistant. No, that's exactly what happens in the game. Like exactly. So, I mean, it was like what a live action. That, what year did that game come out? Oh, what year did that come out? Um, is it recent? I think it is recently. Maybe, came, maybe whoever made it watched yeah, this I, movie and then made a game based on it without actually basing the game on it. 
Uh, I think it came out. Um, yeah, because she's she's the intake, and she does the basic stuff on it. Uh, I think about twenty twenty two. Okay, so we discovered where they got this idea from. Yeah. So, uh, feel free to sue them based on our <laughs> investigative discovery that we have found. Because I mean, yeah, yeah that, that sounds like this game. That, that sounds like way too close to the movie to not be directly related to it. Because again, if you're talking, like, this movie came out 2018. The game came out four years later. That's that's de- that's about development time. Yes. So yeah, we're talking. They saw this movie. They made a game based on this movie without naming it, and then. <laughs> again, yeah, I, I, haven't, I haven't played it. I can't judge it that harshly. I'm just saying, like it sounds like it is. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It was released in 2022. So what you do is you you are working autopsy, and I guess the only difference is you're trying to find the demon and then cremate it, but you're still going through the marks. Oh, there's even there's demons involved in it. Yeah. Oh, this is that's for sure. One right of now. the bodies bodies move around. One of the bodies come out, or some of the bodies start start moving. You're trying to find signs of possession and burn the right one, but you're still looking over all the injuries. You're still doing the mortuary assistant. You're still you know putting the eye caps in, you're sewing up the lips, and then you're trying to figure out which demon is haunting you. Okay, this is, okay, that yourself. game is for sure a ripoff <laughs> of this movie. Yes. So, movie people, feel free to sue the game people <laughs> and give me a cut because we have just figured this out for you. Yes. Uh, but yeah, that's, I'm, I was watching it, I was, I was messaging you know, Metzo from the channel, the other channel, right? And she's playing this game. I'm like, uh, you need to watch this movie and tell me I'm not the only one that sees this. For you sure, know? for so, sure, it's a ripoff. Yeah. I want my cut. If I find out yeah. about a lawsuit and I'm not named, I'm gonna be <laughs> upset. All right, but let's get. Yeah, I mean that's kind of my low. I mean it's not a low point for the movie. It's a low point for the game now. For in my mind, but, uh, yeah, um, low point for the movie is again like <laughs> you're leaving this poor lady by herself. <laughs> on her first day to intake corpses. I mean, you don't even know if she's okay with the corpses yet. There's no way that she would be doing this by herself on her first day. And then nevertheless, her second day where all these horrible things are happening. Uh, There's there's no way. Like as soon as that attack happened, as soon as someone snuck in and attacked her, her supervisor should have been there to take over for her shift immediately. There is no way, no way that administrative staff would not have called her boss. Correct. And in no scenario would the boss have not been there. I don't care how shitty he is. He would have been there. Yeah. Um, two, there's no hospital that has no one working there at night. I don't care what you say. I mean, they they showed like the one other nurse, like in, a, in another floor. And I guess there was a couple people around, but like uh, there's no way that no one else is in this entire morgue area the entire time. Um, Three, what is up with the goofy AI? There's like, Every time she takes a picture, image uploaded. Every time yeah. she fails a picture, image failed. Like who? What fucking computer talks to you while you're doing that shit? Like that would drive me insane. Like you know, picture taken. Hey, thanks, appreciate that. You don't need to tell me every fucking time. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like and the alarm that goes off when when somebody is there for the intake. I mean, it's gonna give me a heart attack if I work there. <laughs> oh yeah, it is very very loud and plain and right jarring. right. But again, as much as I love the setup of this place, like I love the the atmosphere look of it, but like ridiculous. There's no way morgue would take up that much space. 
I mean, like a morgue in a regular hospital is like, you know, two rooms. <laughs> That's it. But this is like, yeah. it's like is it, a, it looks like an entire office building built around the morgue. That's what it looks like. Like the lobby has the same look as the morgue does. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, those are, so those are my little points. But I mean, overall, not, I mean, not bad. I, I wouldn't say it's a bad movie. No, it's it's not a bad movie, but yeah, I mean, I mean, it, you're right. There's, I'm surprised, you know, I guess flies don't probably bother you as much as bigger bugs. Well, um, I, I can't let flies bother me because they're everywhere. Yeah. But, you know, poor, poor care top security guy, but you're right. He's like, oh, he disappeared. And I guy's like, I can't leave my position here. This is a big, this is Boston. Well, okay, yeah. If it, okay, if a security More guard two security guards. Right. right. If a security guard leaves and is not back at his post in like an hour, there's no way he didn't call his home office and they would send another person out there. Right. Um again, I used to be a security guard. Okay. And I, I would work in a little guardhouse by myself, yes, but I was never allowed to not have someone there. You know, like if I had to leave for an emergency or whatever, I was not allowed to leave until someone came to relieve me. Like, that's just them's the rules. So, like, if somebody disappears for, like, an hour, yeah, you'd report that and somebody else would come to replace you. It would probably be your boss looking to see what the hell happened. Right. Yeah, it's the empty hospital syndrome. Like I said, it made sense in the autopsy Jane Doe because it's their house. Right, yeah, it's it's their basement (laughs) of their house. Of course, they're not going to have staff and and a security guard. Right. Um, But, yeah, it's like... It's just ridiculous. I don't know also, why. I don't know who has lo- this idea. The... Go ahead. Yeah. Also saying also the lone EMT. Like um, that, he's not going to be alone. Well, again, if somebody calls in sick and there's going to be an EMT team with one person on it, what job are you going to give them? <laughs> All of the dead people because you're not you're not a detriment to the other rest of the world if you only have one person in your ambulance. So I can see giving him that job if he's by himself. Yeah. I get that. I don't think that you can do that though. I mean, I'm pretty sure. No. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you'd. I don't know if you'd be a ride along for somebody else or something. I don't think they would send you out there by yourself. I think there's always a team of two. I mean, I don't. I don't know the EMT world. I'm not an EMT. I don't. But I would assume I've only ever seen them in twos, you know. Right, and it's just such a weird restriction to have less people in this movie. That seems to be really what these movies go for in hospitals. And okay, that well, why just severely skeleton crew? Yeah, why would the intake person like have to go out to the parking garage? No, like, they should have would... a badge, yeah. and they should be able to get them on the cart. First off, you should be able to take the the. Uh, Probably out of the vehicle yourself because it's made to be done by one person if necessary. Yeah, again, and then they should have the back, you know, the the freight elevator back entrance essentially, and then you bring them the corpse to the morgue. Right. Yeah. Like I don't understand why the morgue would have to come to you. Like that doesn't make any sense no. to me. I understand no. why they did that for the movie. Like I get that, you know, because otherwise it would be hard for that guy to sneak in. Yeah, I understand that, but. It's just, yeah, it's just a very goofy setup, <laughs> you know, just to clean, this place makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. Again. Yeah. It's like, obviously I don't think it was filmed in a real hospital. If it was great, but I don't think it was, I think it was like, I don't know. It looked like a, an office dungeon that it was filmed in, but cool place. Not yeah. realistic for a morgue. 
Yes. All right. Any other little points, or do we want to go to our ratings? No, go ahead. Okay. Uh, so, once again, number of coroners, bells out of 10. Uh, this movie, hands down, was the worst of the three for me. Um, I don't think necessarily any fault of its own. Uh, but I'm probably going down to... Yeah, I mean, it's not awful. So, I'm going seven corners, bells out of ten. How about you? Um, I'll agree. It is it is the worst out of the three, but that's not really fair, considering the other two are, are really good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's the worst <laughs> out of the three, but it's still not a bad movie overall. Um, no. it is, it's solid. There's a lot of things that don't make sense, but overall, I mean, it's a, it's a decently enjoyable watch, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, would I want to watch it again? Probably not, but it was, it was, I don't regret watching it the first time. It was decent enough. Um, so I'll give it uh, a 5.5 corners bells out of 10. 5.5. Yep. Yeah. I mean, for, for movies, you know, when usually when we pick stuff like this, we get burned by at least one of them, right? Mm-hmm. Random movies that we have never seen. Uh, no, this is a surprisingly good week. That's really yeah, like I said, this last one was the worst, but again, a 5.5 is not it's not a bad movie. It's just not a great movie. Yeah. Yep. All right, well, let's go ahead. Uh, we'll wrap this up here. So, everyone listening, grab your chainsaw, bury the dead, burn the book, and be groovy. All hail to the king, baby, as we prepare for Evil Dead Rise and going back to visit the original trilogy. My franchise, right? <laughs> I don't know if it's yours, but I'll let you. Say well, it. I'll let you. Have it, it. It, well, it, it's it's my favorite, so we may be long in the tooth on this. I could probably do all three movies from memory, but we'll, we'll we'll see. But we're doing the original trilogy that were you know starred Bruce Campbell, directed by Sam Raimi, produced by Robert Tappert, in preparation for Evil Dead Rise. Uh, we'll be doing the next two Evil Dead movies and reviewing them, and probably even including because it's just two movies our last fan standing trivia game with Bruce Campbell, right? We might as well throw that in there too, just for his little extra bonus. Um, but yeah, so stay tuned for that. Uh, so that's next week. And remember, we watch bad movies, so you don't have to. And this has been Graveyard saying, have you checked on the children? Uh, this is Salem saying, long live the new flesh. Good night. Good night. Good night.